Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Hunt Closet. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life on closet. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So here we are. It's the holidays. And one of the things that we always think about is the family times and the love. And sometimes it's not the love that happens at the holidays. But I felt like it would probably be a really great time to just drop a little reminder about how precious life is. And sometimes the preciousness of life is a closet that we find ourselves stuck in because we don't appreciate it enough. And then something happens, a tragedy comes along and you're like, how am I ever going to cope through this? How am I going to struggle through a life-changing illness? And do I even really want to talk about it? Well, today our guest is more than talking about it. He's released his book. It came out in September it's called uh, Ride or Die, Loving Through Tragedy, A Husband's Memoir, and his name is Jari Bolander. And I just, I was at first like, wait, this guy's like an entrepreneur, business coach. Why is he hitting me up? And then I saw this book and I thought, this is a perfect closet story of disclosing the truth about what happens when something major changes in your life. And not to put a damper on the holidays, but I felt like a little heartwarming story about how you thrive through some of the toughest stuff in the world. So that as you're about to embark in those lovely holiday experiences, never forget how precious life is. So he's a fellow podcaster, and I'm really excited to have Jari here. So welcome to the podcast, buddy. Oh, hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's such a wonderful show you have, and I just appreciate the uh, invite. I know it's a little bit different than you're used to, but... Uh, well, but it's, it is a piece of, you know, when, you know, and I'll let you get to the story, but when this yeah. entered you and your wife's life, it was something like, oh my gosh, what do we do with this? Right. It's yeah. like, how do yeah. we, and, and I know you aren't the first, nor will you be the last that did no. this, but no. I think capturing that, and this is why I love the title of the book, like ride or die. It's kind of like, I'm either going to come out of the closet or I'm going to die in the closet. I, there's. It's either ride through this and go through the trauma and the tragedy of what's happening, or you quote kind of shrivel up and die. So why don't you kind of walk us into like what led to now this be beautiful book that you have out there? Yeah, well, well, thanks for that. Um, well, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny because uh, I first met Jane at a gay pride breakfast, actually, which uh, you know we live in San Francisco and. If you're in politics, um, the one pretty massive uh, organized uh, influential <laughs> group, of course, is um, the community, the gay community, LGBTQ community up here. And so uh, one of our friends uh, was running for supervisor. Uh, it mm -hmm. turns out that uh, that friend now is the mayor of San Francisco, London Brick. Mm. And uh so she introduced Jane and I at this this gay pride breakfast and um event you know it was kind of cool you know I actually just got off of being married I was divorced I was a broken man you know I I, I think that's pretty safe to say I was broken and 
trying, really struggling to, to kind of find meaning in life. And I really didn't want to talk about it. And it was hard, you know, like it was an 18 year relationship that ended, right. That's pretty, pretty horrible. Um, and so, you know, as all good stories go, you know, we kind of fell in love and really started to be really integrated and part of the community in, in San Francisco, all mostly in the political and the PR and marketing and kind of the business entrepreneur community. And so we were kind of like the power couple, we like to say, you know, like, yeah, going around doing all these things. Uh, and then it was the day after Christmas in 2015 that we got a phone call from the hospital. And it was just a strange phone call because we had been trying to get pregnant, you know, as you know, we were newlywed. So we were trying to have kids and uh, Jane was having all these miscarriages and they're like, you know, something's not right. We got to figure this out. And so they called us the day after, you know, 26th, we went into the ER and they dropped the bomb on us that, uh, wow, we think you have leukemia. And at the time she was, you know, 34. Right. And uh, that was a sucker punch to the gut. <laughs> you know, I was not sure how I was going to handle that. And still to this day, I remember that vividly, you know, because I'm trying to figure out, like, I got to call our family. I literally had the phone number, like staring at my phone, trying to like, what do I say? You know, what do I say? Um, and so, you know, the intervening 15 months is when she, you know, battled leukemia and she had a bone marrow transplant and the whole thing. And during that time, you know, I'm her caregiver, you know, her partner running her business. And I put up the stoic front, I would say, you know, I, I wouldn't tell many people how hard this was. I was basically go get her. Let's solve this. I always say I was captain of team Jane and my job was to not lose the MVP. Right. That was sort of my, yep. my burden to bear. You know, I'm her husband, you know, sounds a little old fashioned, but it's my job to protect her. She would have done the same for me. You know, we took the marriage vows and sickness and health, you know, like let's go. Yep. And so 15 months later, she, she does. Um, and I, I kind of had a choice to make at that point. You know, I, I first started writing the book that day, um, mm. partly because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> partly yeah. I was just law. I mean, I, uh, if you've ever lost anyone or anyone's ever died that you've loved and, and you were, I was actually there in the room and held her hand and the whole thing with her father. You, um, it's one of those cat catastrophic events that, you know, you've got really a couple of different options. You can either retreat back into your hole right? Yeah. Which I did a little bit. Um, you do all the bad things like drinking too much and smoking too much pot, <laughs> doing all the things that you shouldn't do to just fill the gaping hole that's been right. left. But then I realized, you know, I really need to battle this demon. And the demon was during this entire time, I felt really alone. I felt like uh, no one really understood my struggle. So I decided, well, you know, for me, writing helps me process the world. And it's going to help me, I think, process this trauma. I think it's also going to ho hopefully help other people um, not feel so alone in their struggle. And so I kind of had to make the choice, you know, <laughs> 
it's a bit, a little bit vulnerable to talk about, you know, the feels and emotions as a man, you know, right. we tend, tend to not do that. So I just had to make that choice. And, um, I ended up doing, making that choice and pretty much sharing fully, you know, to, to your point, coming out of the closet in terms of the struggles and challenges, the emotional grief, sorrow of, you know, as a man, I, there's just, it's a different experience, you know, people have different experiences and as a man, you just, there's just different emotions that go on. There's different ways, you know, society allows you to, to grieve. I always like to say that, uh, women can cry and men can get angry, but women can't get angry and men can't cry. And that just seems silly and foolish. So it is silly and foolish. And the thing is, is what you're sharing right now is there's so many beautiful nuggets here of embracing first admitting the closet of loneliness. This is one of the biggest epidemics in our world right now, post pandemic. <clears throat> and it actually happened in the pandemic and, and we're dealing with it. And I think we're going to be dealing with it, reeling from it for years and years and years. And then to really own up like, yes, I'm lonely as a, and I'm not trying to be sexist here, ladies that are listening, but as a woman, there's going to be that crowd that's like, yeah, that's a typical woman feeling, right? As a man, buck it up, man. Buck mm-hmm. it up. You suck know, it up, I, it's like yep. suck it up and buck it up. You know, mm-hmm. this is what men are supposed to do. They're supposed to work through this, which is such a detrimental piece to our well being and mental health as men. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call it out. Yeah. If we don't start allowing men to have the feels, we're going to continue to struggle on so many fronts. Now add to this that here we sit in the midst of the holidays, which this can like put everybody in this space of loneliness, whether you're surrounded by people or not, you can still experience this. And I have literally witnessed people, you know, obviously in my community, you're like, I don't have anybody. So I'm lonely. You know, everybody else is out experiencing Christmas and parties and da, 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 da. Or you can actually be sitting in the midst, surrounded by tons of family and still feel completely lonely. And I've talked with other people who have lost spouses and, you know, whether it's through, you know, some disease or some injury or, you know, out of the blue, horrible accident or due to, hey, we're just done, you know, divorce, here we go. And I think these, uh, uh, these things that you're sharing about this loneliness piece and this battling that demon, I love that you said that, is part of coming out of the closet and just admitting this is what's going on. In fact, most of the time for a wide swath of people who've been on this podcast, it always comes down to just being willing to expose the truth. This is what's happening. This is what's happening for me. Yeah. So as you started to see yourself move yeah. through this, I know it wasn't just wave a magic wand and poof, sorry, it was fine. No. But what <laughs> was some of the things that you started to really realize that, okay, I'm either going to ride or I'm going to die that you started giving yourself permission to go do? I think it was something that Jane told me before she died. Um, I actually wrote about it in the book. Um, and it was a pretty powerful moment in this whole journey. Um, we were down at the hospital. She was in, I don't even remember what round of chemo. This this was after the bone marrow transplant and she was doing the chemo because it, the leukemia came back and you know things were getting a little bit desperate, I think would be the word. 
And, you know, we're in, she would go inpatient. She'd stay in the hospital for four to five weeks. I would spend the night pretty much every night. Her family would help out too. We would sort of take turns because it's a pretty emotionally draining and sleeping in a hospital is not fun. <laughs> just full stop. They try nope. to make it comfortable for you, but there's just never like never hospitals where sick people are, right? Like don't yeah. go, <laughs> don't go, right? And so we were just sitting there one afternoon and there was a knock on the door and it was a social worker. And it was just this phenomenal point in our relationship where we actually had to come grips with the fact that she may die. And I didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to deal with it, but she didn't want to deal with it in a different way. She knew how bad this was going to be for me. So if she died, I was going to be a wreck because I generally bias negative. Everyone that knows me knows that I'm like the, the curmudgeon, you know, I'm like the Bill Burr of, of the friend group. You know, it's like, oh, not him again, you know, rant, 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 rant. Right. Um, and she just was so, she cared and loved for me so much. And she was so worried about me that she wanted me to promise her that I would find love again and not be sad. Mm -hmm. And I told her, that's bullshit. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be upset. And she's just like, no, I want you to not go down the rabbit hole. And when we sorted that out, and there's more details in the book about, but when we sorted that out, I kind of realized, I said, damn, you know, this whole ride or die thing, like this is forever. Mm -hmm. Like I have to live those wedding vows. I have to honor whatever happens. Like this is my life now. Like yeah. no matter what, I have to talk about it and I have to be the, you can get through it person. Not the Debbie Downer, not the grief guy. I don't want to be that. I want to be the post-traumatic growth, the growth of you can make it through tough times. Even if if even if you have a marginally better than average attitude, as I like to say, because I I do. I mean, my attitude is not great. Most of, I mean, it's, I'm generally okay, but I just I think at that point, I mean, I didn't know I was going to write a book about it. I didn't I didn't even know she was going to die at that point. All right. But what I did realize was, wow no matter what happens, I need to bear witness to this. I, I need to, I need to share this. I, I, people need to know who she was. People need to know the beautiful human she was. They need to understand that this may happen to them. They need to not feel so alone. And if me sharing just one glimpse of what it was like, and I help one person or two persons or, you know, you and I talking together just during the holidays is always tough. Every, yep. every holiday, every anniversary, <laughs> even today is like, ah, uh, our wedding day, her birthday, mm. the day she died, Christmas and holidays. I mean, I have a fiance now and, 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 and the beautiful thing about that finding love again is that's what she wanted me. Jane wanted me to find love again, wanted me to be happy. There's all these great things. And if I wasn't open to accepting love in my life again, I wasn't open to sharing the journey and the struggle to, to be again, bear witness to her, her love and support and the tragedy and the sorrow, but also the joy. Mm -hmm. Like I just couldn't live with myself, you know? And well, it's almost like she was giving you an invitation to realize that going and finding love was mm -hmm. learning to love yourself through this. That's all. true. Absolutely. That's a very good point. As a caregiver, you sometimes put yourself 
aside. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the analogy I always like to use is, you know, put your oxygen mask on first before you help Absolutely. others. It's really true because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I say that all up. the time yeah, to my clients that are, yeah, 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 the clients that are coming out of the closet. I'm like, yes, they're going to be those people who tell you you're being selfish. You're being selfish because, you know, okay, here's where I'm going to have to mark this explicit. You're being selfish because you just want a piece of dick, right? No, the reality is I'm not being selfish. I'm putting my oxygen mask on myself to live into my truth so that I can function more highly as a functioning human being. And it's, it's tough. I'm not ever going to say any of this is easy. You know, as you're talking through this, you know, it's one of those situations where I'm relating back to the moments throughout my journey where I'm like, I could curl up in the corner and quit being who I am. And I could just continue to do the status quo, just go do it. Or I can ride through the trauma and the tragedy and the negativity. And it wasn't easy. I mean, the first 10 years after coming out, there was not a majority of easy days whatsoever. It just was non-existent. Even today, it's now 20, I don't know, 22, 23 years later. And there will be moments just like you're, you will have moments the rest of your life when it's the wedding, the celebrations, the birthday, every, you know, and it's interesting in my own mind, Jari, I've actually, I've blocked out the day that I came out. I can't tell you exactly what day it was because it was such a big traumatic thing, but I will always remember the year. It was 1999 because I was at a new year's Eve party dancing to, you know, Prince's 1999. I'm like, this was the year, this was the year that I became me, that I truly, even though many years ago I'd come out and gone, went back in the closet. But I think these moments where we had, we honored the, the trauma, we honor the tragedy, we honor these things is when we truly grow into more of who we are. And I think Jane, again, I think her saying, go do this, go, go do this. I've had two strokes myself. And I have literally told my husband beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what, you know, I love you with all my heart, but go find happiness. Even if that happiness is, Hey, I love just going to be single, you know, that's cool, but don't, you know, and we've never had that issue where I think that if something happened to either one of us, we'd be like, Oh no, can't do this. It's almost like we want that happiness. That's a gift that somebody's given you. Anybody who's like, no, you gotta be, then there's a problem. <laughs> There's a little problem like, no, you got to be faithful to me the rest of your life. Well, that's about them and not about you for dang sure. Well, yeah. I mean, someone that loves you Mm -hmm. is going to want you to be happy. Absolutely. And I think that is the ultimate gift. I mean, the, the ultimate gift that Jane gave me was when she was face to face with her demise. Like she, she probably knew before I did that she was going to die. She was more concerned about my well-being than her well-being. And she was more concerned that I would find happiness after she died than for me to be in the own, my own private pity party and, you know, honor her, you know, honor her legacy or be the selfishness of you can only love, you know, me and that's it. It's a gift. It's a true well, it is a gift. gift. It's a, true, it's a gift. true, true gift. I remember I had the privilege of being in in the care in my grandfather's. Um, we had actually brought him back 
he was in hospice in his retirement home and being there when he took his last breath. And I considered it a gift. It was the first time I'm like, okay, well, that's how simple this is. That's how simple it is. I'm not going to say I'm not afraid to die. That would be like being bullshit human being, <laughs> but I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I don't like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Because I've, I got to witness that experience. And yes, I don't want to die anytime soon, but being a guy who's had two strokes, I'm like, Hey, for everything we're trying to do, my, my number is a little bit higher than the average being on the planet. Right. But I'm not also letting that hold me back. And if anything else, to your point of the title of your book, I'm much more in a, I've always been in a mindset of like, just go live life. Right. But I'm much more that way now, just because it's like, Hey, this is what, this is what being in life and being in the world is all about. And I think what I'm seeing from your book and the way you've presented all this is you're giving others a gift of saying, it's not just, if not now, when it's just do it, just be it. Like, you know, doesn't mean you're forgetting Jane or any of that stuff that all still exists. In fact, I was listening to one of Oprah's podcasts a few months ago, and it's probably, it's an older one where she talks about forgiveness. And she said, just because you forgive doesn't mean those people get to be in your life, but you've at least released the energy. So just because you move on from somebody who's now passed, who was a significant piece of your life, doesn't mean you've moved on and forget and never think of them again. It, if anything, they've given you the gift of like, you've learned so much from that experience and you get to move forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up pretty fast, you know, even though I was 43, you know, hopefully had myself together. Well, mostly. come on, let's be honest. That's when guys really start maturing. In yeah. Their 40s, I mean, they finally grow up and quit being finally, a little boy, yeah. right? <laughs> it's true. So true. I hate to admit it, but it's true. Well, I that's when it was, all, I mean, I came out at 36 and when I hit my 40s, that was yeah. the, the 40s was a, de okay, I mean, each one. Now I really appreciate it because I've done yeah. the 40s. I've done the 50s. I mean, I've done, well, obviously I've done everything. I'm 60 yeah. years old, just turned 60. But, you know, the 40s was like, it was a monumental decade. Yeah. So many things. Like I really started like clicking. Going, into I place. Don't, yeah, yeah. They click into place and I quit yeah. going, I really don't have to do this for everybody else, but I also don't have to be an asshole about it either. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's just so many beautiful things that happen there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you don't really kind of move on from it. You kind of move through it and integrate it. I think, I think it's all these experience in life. And, you know, again, during the holidays can be specific particularly tough, especially if it's a new trauma of losing someone or someone dying that you love or, and even loss that that's not like loss of a relationship, loss of identity. You know, I'm sure, you know, if you're sitting there and, and you're, you're not out of the closet yet, as an example, yeah. and you're just sitting there going like, I'm not me, you know, like that must feel just horrible. And I, and, and, and I, I can't, I can't attest to that. I can only attest. To well, the but fact you that. can, because you could, because if you were holding in all the emotions that you felt around all this yeah, and like, okay, I, I'm, but I'm a guy, this is how I have to show up. That's you not being you. Yeah, that's true. That, that vulnerability of letting go. And it's interesting as I've had many, numerous conversations in different realms. In fact, one of my, one of the conversations I had early on after we were like, Hey, we're going to open this podcast to like just more than LGBTQ um, was a gal by the name of Amy Downs, who she was the very last survivor pulled out of the Oklahoma city bombing. And that reality Whoa. of Ooh. I can no longer just settle for settling. Yeah. 
you know, there's yeah. inspiration. And oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. the beauty of these closet doors that we open up. The moment you open that door to say, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to show people I'm lonely and this is how I'm feeling is the moment that you started living. I hate to say it, but that's really probably what it felt like was I'm actually now living. I'm being truthful. I'm being more truly myself. Yeah. I mean, and you also, that's a very good, you know, I never thought of it that way. It's a very astute point because I think one of the things that a lot of people, you know, someone that's, you know, tall, straight, white guy with beard kind of person, you know, what I've really appreciated about the LGBTQ community. Um, one is the overwhelming acceptance of love and support. I mean, here in San Francisco, it's, you know, they're an institution. Like I, I really look up to, you know, guys like Harvey Milk and, and even just the, what, what's happened in the last decade, it took, it took literally a decade for, for, you know, same-sex marriage to kind of make it mainstream. And that was because of the very thoughtfulness, the love and caring and this, this idea of like, I can't be me. How can I, how can I not be me? You know? Right. And it's just so powerful. And, and I think it, we can learn a lot from that because what, 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 what it, parallel between men and grief as an example is if you're a man who can't express themselves through your grief and sorrow, and you're in the, you know, proverbial closet of that emotion and you, how shitty that makes you feel and how, wow, God, I just, this is not who I am. I, I feel really horrible. My guess is that's how people that are gay and in the closet feel or other people that have, so the shared humanity in that is the most powerful thing. And I just, every day I'm thankful for that humanity because anytime I see someone on the other side of the aisle or someone that's different than me, you know, like the best example is, you know, Jane's getting a bone marrow transplant at Stanford down in Palo Alto. And we would walk into this infusion, infusion treatment area where they would call it, right? You'd walk in and it's, you know, they're nice and all, but it's like, you don't really want to be there. You right. sit in a chair, they pump chemo drugs in you. I mean, it's a horrible, pleasant, yet horrible experience. Right. And, you know, you you just look around the room and like leukemia does not give a shit who you are. Nope. Black, brown, yellow, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. Like everyone there, you just look in their eyes and you're like, they're going through the exact same thing. Exact you're going same through, thing. Right? Yep. And that humanity is so lost. You know, I mean, I'm getting a little choked up about it just because. Well, I get just, it. But that's, well, just that's remembering, so you know, just remembering the experience and. But I think I these are those the moments in humanity yeah. where if we realize it's a, it's a connection point where we're so much more similar than we are different. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So much more similar, you yeah. know, that pain of not being able to, you know, express yourself. And as you were talking through that, like, okay, if I can't express my vulnerability and all this stuff, my thought was also, then what else are you not able to open up about? Exactly. Guy, guys don't know how to exactly. talk. I mean, and I'm a guy in a 22 year relationship with another guy and there's moments that I don't know how to talk to him. Yeah, exactly. Why? Because I, I have this like, well, hey, I'm not supposed to be. And then I'm like, that's the bullshit masculine toxicity that I should be able to say whatever I say. And it's been interesting to watch us navigate, you know, into some of these things mm -hmm. and be able to have some really amazing conversations. Yeah. And the sad part is, is humanity would be so much better off if we could just get back to, can we just talk about this? Yeah. And, and, and I think what's interesting about, you know, toxic masculinity and the whole narrative around that, which, 
you know, I'm always a person, I'm like the duality of it. Well, if there's toxic mm-hmm. masculinity, there must be positive masculinity. There must be some other yes, thing. Absolutely. Just like there always yeah. has to be a yin and a yang, right? Yep. And I actually feel that, you know, the, the, there there's actually is a crisis of manhood. There's actually a crisis of young men, you know, that are, they're struggling, challenged, yep. sad. There's rates of suicide. We, you know, talked a little bit about this you know, during the pandemic, it's like this, this, there's this general loneliness and disconnection. And that's partly societal problems, right? This whole like male yep. um, you know, traits or whatever, but also men need to own being a man. Mm-hmm. And being a man is defined by the men who define it, not by yep. anyone saying anything else. And someone can say, oh, the patriarchy and all this sort of stuff. It's like, no, like, there could be issues like that, but as men, we own that. We need to take that over. We need to be yes. like, that's not what a man is. And you know what? Being a man, you can be gay, straight, you can be trans, whatever it is, right? Yep. Like we need to own that. And mm-hmm. that's when we own that is when stuff's going to get better. And I, again, yeah. I, I, I find myself like, oh, how can I show up and be that role model or whatever well that's just it is just show up and be that role model that's it just do it you know it's interesting jari because i have this conversation all the time with people i'm working with coming out of the closet they're like well okay well well but how do i how do i do gay i'm like you do it your way (laughs) you do it your way and if anybody in the lgbtq community says now here's how you do gay literally give them the finger yeah. Because that's ver- their version of what they think doing gay is. Yeah, You can be, uh, I mean, I have, I probably have more friends in the gay community who if the, if we'd be walking down the street together, most of them be like scared to death of us because mm-hmm. we're just big strapping guys. They're like, I want to mess with them, yeah. you know, but they don't know anything. Yeah. You know, they don't know any different because there's a perception of what what the box of gay is, what a man who's vulnerable, is, all these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty that you've shared with us today is that ability to see into yourself, own that beautiful space, whatever that means. If it means being a man, if it means being a, a husband who lost a spouse, it means being a fiance. I mean, there's mm-hmm. all these different things, being an entrepreneur and, you know, guiding people into there's all of that owning that truth of who you are and allowing it to just be fully present. Yeah. No matter what, what, you know, walk of life you come from. So, um, yeah. So before we wrap it up here, man, I know you've got not only the book, but you also have on the business side, you have a great podcast. So let's give the podcast a little bit of a shout out. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's called the entrepreneur ethos. It's how, how to build a more ethical, inclusive and resilient world through educating and inspiring the next generation of entrepreneur. And uh, it's based on the book, The Entrepreneur Ethos that I published in 2017 and just great conversations with really smart folks of all walks of life. I think anyone in the world can be an entrepreneur. I think that's the beauty of it. It's like, it's pretty straightforward. It's just really hard. (laughs) It is just, thank you for saying that. It is just really hard. hard. There's nothing easy about doing this people. I'm just going to tell you there's, 
There's, I love being free and I, I do work for another company at this point as well. But um, the freedom to be your entrepreneurial self is amazing, but it takes work. There's nothing yeah, easy about it, does. it whatsoever. It does. And, and I then think as far still... as ride or die, I mean, that's yeah. out now that people can yeah. get that yeah. book. Any, I'm assuming anywhere that you can anywhere buy books. That great books are sold and, awesome. you know, bookshop.org. So if you're into independent bookstores like Jane and I are and, and my fiance Minerva now, you know, mm, support your awesome. local bookstore and, ask him for it. And, uh, you know, during the holidays, it's okay to be a little sad, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people that emotion's very natural, you know, the first year, couple of years, oh gosh, of yes. the first year after I, school. after I came out and yeah. uh, that first Christmas was brutal. It was yeah. just, yeah. Well, actually Thanksgiving and Christmas Thanksgiving was brutal because I was a jerk and there's a whole San Francisco story behind that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a jerk. And uh, I will, I mean, obviously I'm at 60 years old. I'm still talking about that is one of my memories. Like that was when Rick was one of the biggest assholes post coming out was that Thanksgiving. But um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. And um, mm. I think sometimes just sharing these things, even in this time of year, we're not trying to bring y'all down. I, I just want no. to say, we're not trying to bring you down, but no, no, it's beautiful. These pieces. I mean, it's a yeah. beautiful thing. And actually, think, if you're struggling, like we're four days from Christmas or five days from Christmas, folks, there's still time to go get Jari's book and give it to somebody <laughs> who just might need it. So, well, yeah. And, and, and it's not all Debbie Downer, right? Like, just so you know, it's, it is a, you know, it does end badly, right? I'm just, I admit she, she does die. But I think one of the things that people have been really, and it's blown me away. And it's just, it's just, I know I worked really hard um, mm. to make it, to make the book like this. And it actually, the reason it's this way is because of her father, Tim, mm. who recommended after he read a couple of, uh, of versions of it, he's like, she put a little more fun in here. You know, she, Jane was really fun. Right. And right. she's like, put a little more fun. Like, I think it needs more fun. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, yes, it's the, the, the subject is heavy. But I think the thing that she you'll get out of it, and a lot of people have told me this, is that you really understand who she was. And she was a beautiful human. And um, it's just want to share that with the world. And yeah, during these times, it's tough sometimes during the holidays. But I think just realize that you're not alone in the struggle. And, you know, it's natural, just day at a time. Every day is a good, every day is a gift and a day at a time. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your gift and your time with well, us and you. helping people see something from a different perspective. And and hopefully this will be a holiday that will help us all be a little more introspective to like, okay, yeah, here's the truth. Here's yeah. my truth that I can really step out and live into. Yeah. So, yeah. and hey gang, this is the last show before the holidays. So, um, hey, Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah and all. I don't even know what Hanukkah is this year, but go out and celebrate you. And if, if you're feeling lonely and in the closet, maybe it's time to step out and let somebody know, Hey, here's what I'm feeling and here's what I'm experiencing. So 100%. thanks again, Jari, for being an amazing guest and everybody listen up. We're going to be coming around with the last show before the new year, before you know it. And thanks again, everybody for being listeners and being part of my world and happy holidays. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. 
here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And we just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted and never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.